On this week's episode of Hulk and Kush, Zion is dunking on Instagram. Plus, the Saints re-signed Jameis Winston. Cut him loose. Let's see what Jameis has got. And all of your favorite local news, which is definitely not horrific and miserable. Plus, we've got somebody who's very offended by something. Can you believe it? It's this week's episode of Poke and Gush. Welcome everyone to Poke and Kush, where the natural disasters just keep on coming. It is Thursday, March 24th, when you're listening to this, 2022. I am Scott Kushner, alongside my friend and co-host, Mr. Andrew Polk. Hey, hey, uh, you mentioned the uh, natural disaster. There was a tornado yesterday that affected Araby and the local area. So up top, uh, if you've got money to donate, we're not soliciting donations. Uh, send them to Mutual Aid Louisiana. You can send it to uh, Southeast Louisiana's uh, United Way, uh, Imagine Waterworks, and, of course, Cajun Navy Relief. Send them some money, a good cause uh, for good people. Yeah, I mean, much as we usually joke here at the top of the show, uh, a very serious thing for a lot of people in this area. A thing that kind of came out of nowhere. I think we all knew it was supposed to be severe weather uh, on Tuesday night, and it uh, turned out to be a whole hell of a lot worse for a, uh, a pretty uh, sizable swath of the city. Those pictures and videos of the tornado ripping through uh, New Orleans and, and the WDSU, I think, had the best uh, video of it. I mean, that was horrifying to look at. Yeah, I mean, uh, props to uh, Margaret Orr. You know, she kept her cool. Uh, something crazy was happening. You yeah, know, they had that uh, like water tower cam or whatever it was on it. And you yeah. just see this like twister, the movie size cyclone, <laughs> nuts going through neighborhoods, and you know uh, you're watching it blow transformers. Like it looks like there's lightning inside of the tornado because yeah. of all the transformers that it's hitting. Every flash on that TV was two months without a traffic light. <laughs> You're just adding it up. You're going, ah, crap. I know. It was, uh, I mean, it is amazing that these things continue to hit the area, yet somehow kind of skirt around the most, you know, populated areas like Uptown, basically untouched, Old Metairie untouched, like a lot of parts of the city, uh, even downtown this time, like didn't really get hit. And it's always like uh, Ida got hammered. Uh, Laplace, you know, and then this thing goes straight into Araby and the lower ninth ward. And it's like, God, like these people just can't catch a break. Um, awful. Just an awful night uh, for the city in that regard. It was uh, it happened so fast. Tornadoes are so much more terrifying than hurricanes. They, in that way. they are. And I, I grew up with tornadoes, not hurricanes in North Louisiana. Yeah. Like Arcadia's like Tornado Alley. Mm-hmm. Shreveport always gets hit. I've been in a tornado. It's very scary. It's very terrifying. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least with hurricanes, there's a little warning. Yeah. You can get the hell out. Uh, you know, we, now the, the 
part of the part that gets you with the hurricane is the anticipation. You're like, you know, should we go? Should we stay? Should we? This is like you have five minutes. Like, go get inside your bathroom and sit there with your kids. Yeah, my phone buzzed last night, uh-huh. and the phone thing is not like totally foolproof because I, I think a lot of people turn their notifications off during uh-huh. Ida when you were getting one every five minutes. Yep. And what's crazy is like it doesn't stay up there. So like if you swipe it off your screen or whatever, you're just like, oh shit, what did that say? <laughs> yeah. You can't like go to the alert inbox and see what's going on. So I got the thing last night. You know, I'm sitting in the bathtub with a pot over my head. <laughs> I was already in the bathtub. In a gun, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a gun, bathtub, uh, you know, 14 uh, Miller Highlights. I was prepared for the storm. I didn't even know there was a storm. I was just. <laughs> in the tub with my gun just tuesday as usual <laughs> but yeah uh we hope all of our listeners did okay made it out alive and if uh you can spare a little please do yeah yeah for sure i uh i am just this area just keeps getting hit over and over again and, and um you know safety first for everybody i don't know what the hell you're supposed to do about that last night when that comes up you're just at home and then the things beeps and thankfully i think all of our news people actually did a great job because i the first thing i did was turn on the tv news and it showed you basically the precise path of where this thing was headed and uh you know i didn't have to worry about it too much knowing where i was in relation to it but those who were in the path i think at least had some level of warning, and that's about as much as you can ask for in that situation. Yeah, I turned on the TV. At first, I put it on NBC, and NBC was showing, like, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> like, Come Whatever. on, guys. Yeah, it's like the Superstore, like, all right, we, uh, we don't... With, like, a crawl on the bottom, right? Yeah, but Fox 8, uh, Margaret Orr, always up to date. So that was good. Uh, we hope everybody's doing okay. Yes, absolutely. And in... Uh, uh, very odd timing and p- perhaps bad taste. I don't know. I mean, obviously Zion didn't know what was going on at the time. Uh, but while all that was happening, uh, Zion Williamson releases uh, a two second Instagram video, uh, which shook the Pelicans landscape uh, last night of him shirtless. Was he shirtless? He was in a tank top he was shirtless. Okay. Uh, I had my jeweler's eye out. I zoomed in <laughs> on it in 4k. Um, but, you know, Zion was actually being um, he was being proactive and helpful because in a tornado, go somewhere without windows. Gyms don't have windows. <laughs> this was actually, you know, you can say design, love the city or not. He does. He's showing us what to do. <laughs> so we should have all gone to the Pelicans practice facility uh, and watched him dunk. So he threw uh, he was standing at the free throw line, throws a ball off of the uh, backboard Catches it midair, goes between his legs, dunks at home, and I think the inference is, uh, hey, bitches, I can play, uh, or at least I'm close, or at least what you're hearing that I'm not anywhere near playing condition is bullshit. Uh, This was definitely a statement in a way that Zion will make it because he doesn't want to talk to the media. He doesn't really want to say anything even on social media. He just wants to get the, uh, the notion out there that he is capable of, uh, of performing. And I think that's been the, the, the tug of war that's occurred between Zion and the team over the last several months has been him believing that he could play this season and the team, I think, being a little more cautious and 
not quite sure if he was up to and ready. And I think this this shows this is the most public display we've seen of that tension growing to the surface. And uh, where we stand now, the Pelicans have 10 games to go in the season. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of time. They are probably locked in for a play-in position. Probably. Probably. It would take something. Not that anything terrible has ever happened to this team before. (laughs) So so the timing on this, uh, you know, I think people are pretty satisfied with the team right now especially with Coach Willie, you've got to ask yourself, would there be any reason at all for Zion to come back with 10 games left? Yeah, and I guess he wants to, right? That And that that is what this said to me more than anything, is that as superfluous as it might seem to everyone else and as risky as it might seem to the team, he wants to play. And I don't know, it's a pretty unique situation in that regard because normally – a team is sort of uh, pushing a guy to play when he's injured and the player doesn't feel comfortable yet. This is like the exact opposite. Well, this could be what happens whenever you leave the city, everybody's talking, and the team starts to gel without you. And then Uh you come back and go, let me in, let me in. They're like, we're doing okay right now. We don't need you. Yeah, I think he would absolutely, the, the incorporating him back in would be challenging, number one. I also think he got embarrassed by the national media. I think people calling him a bad teammate, especially someone like J.J. Redick, who carries the kind of weight that he does. Someone like C.J. McCollum basically coming in and being like, hey, this dude didn't even talk to me. Uh, all of that, all of that, I think, contributes to where Zion is now, which is uh, in this weird position where he's definitely a member of the Pelicans, but he's sort of this like weird outside of the Pelicans, even though he's the face of the Pelicans. And I don't know, I, I can't explain it other than that it's just, it just seems uncomfortable. Everything about it just seems uncomfortable. Well, uh, unfortunately, because there is no communication with Zion, we are presuming all of this stuff about the video. Well, there's uh, some sourcing that's going on there as well. So this is a statement to the Pelicans saying, I can play. The Pelicans are saying, we don't want you to. Now, is... Maybe the injury concern is a little overplayed because if he's good to go and wants to go, maybe you give it to him to appease him, to to throw him a bone. Mm -hmm. He is here and wants to play, and that's a hell of a lot more than we thought would be happening uh, just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, If the team does not want him to play, that is a bigger issue than anything else. Right. Uh, they have to be comfortable enough medically to clear him, right? If he feels good enough to play, but they don't feel he's com- he's ready to play medically, what do you do? Well, the team, that's not normal. The 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 team has uh, every reason in the world not to trust him. Definitely <laughs> regarding his health. Yeah, you know, he's not wearing a shirt in that in that video for a reason. Yeah, because of. Goofballs on Twitter. Yes, and us. And, yeah. Well, well, me mostly. Who can tell? Uh, but you know, if you're upset about all these things that happened, if you're upset with how you've been painted in the national spotlight, if you're embarrassed by what uh, you know, very respectable players have said about yourself, is another like thinly veiled social media shot. A path at redemption, or are you just being uh, 
a child. Yeah. It's very. I was going to use another C word. <laughs> this is. Churlish. This, this, this show for grown ups. <laughs> um, no, I, I completely agree. I think it is very. Uh, the. 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 Is he with uh, Clutch? <laughs> no, that, it, it does feel that way, right? It's it it almost just it almost feels intentional. The uh, misdirection that's going on, or at least the just the the kind of like breadcrumbs that everything that comes out is in such small doses, but is intentional. Like Jordi Collada, who is a Baton Rouge personality and who's once had Lee Anderson Zion's insane stepdad he once had him on his show so there's a connection there but he tweeted like three hours before it came out look for a video of zion tonight that's going to show you that he's you know basically ready to go i saw that and then all of tiger droppings was responding with fuck you (laughs) i mean and and i can tell you there are people with the pelicans who thought that it was bs yeah that like hey you've seen zion he's not ready to go and then he puts this video out and also notice the team itself did not hype up that video. We've seen a thousand Jackson Hayes dunks yeah. go from his Instagram feed onto the Pelicans ones. They didn't really touch it because I don't think they feel comfortable with like hyping up Zion when they don't know what's going to happen here. And this is just more evidence to show that no one knows what the hell is going on here. And you would think someone from some place would say it. And even Willie Green today was asked about it because he he's the only guy that has to talk. Willie Green was asked about it today at practice. And his comment was essentially like, yeah, we all want to see him back out there. The dunk might have been a little much. Like, he didn't tell him to do it. Mm-hmm. No one in the team told him to go do that. He did that on his own, I think a little bit unsanctioned. Uh, and now the team sort of deals with everyone taking a look at it and trying to figure out what the hell it means. And there was another video. Zion did not release this one today, but there was a video of Zion playing Mm one-on-one. One thing that might be getting lost in all this is, yeah, he did did a crazy athletic dunk. That doesn't mean anything as far as being able to get up and down the floor goes. Nothing. Yeah, Zion is a, a superhuman athlete. He could... He could be in that Mountain Dew commercial for a year, just eating Doritos and playing TK, <laughs> yeah. and get up and do that dunk. Yes. Is he going to do anything for the? Is is there going to be chemistry uh, problems when he comes back? Yes. Will there be rotational problems? Yes. Uh, is there animosity with the team? Still a huge question mark. Yeah. I mean the 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 communication and again, we played you know body language doctor uh, in the handful of games I saw him. Very little communication with anybody else on the roster. And this team, by all accounts, loves each other. Like, they're not great, but they do seem to genuinely have uh, a respect for one another. They seem to play very hard together. They seem very cohesive with the exception of him. And so that, and with 10 games left and you're playing meaningful basketball, that's a real wrench you can throw in there. These little, like, needling, little just poking at it, like, shrugging his shoulders. Oh, shucks. I don't know if he meant that or not. Yeah. There, wh- what is the difference between, like, Michael Thomas's Twitter and Zion's, like, private intentions? Yeah. Like, just because Zion is, like, the superhuman athlete version of a VeggieTales character... <laughs> 
We give him this pass. Yeah, he's a freak athlete. Yeah, he's great. Yes, people want him to play with this team, but this kind of shit is like undermining uh, all of the hard work and uh, forward momentum that this team has picked up with a competent coach and uh, average players who are playing above average. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it, right? The one way to look at this is certainly like he is being disruptive by doing this uh, and his desire to play in these last 10 games is at least you could, I mean, you, I think you can fairly call it a selfish desire uh, because you don't know what that means for the team as a whole. At the same time, he's still the best player in the franchise. He's the most important player in the franchise. He's the guy you need to have. If you're ever going to be more than this, which is a 10 seed right now in the West, uh, all of those things are true. And so at some level, it's like, it's great that he wants to play. It's great that he, that he badly wants to get back on the court. I think that's all good. The, the, the underlying portion of it though, is there is a tension and awkwardness between this guy and the team. And that on its own is enough to make you just go, well, this is a weird problem to have. It's a very unique problem to have. This is not... Most superstars that ask out or that are disgruntled or whatever it is, it is in totally different ways. Anthony Davis didn't like being in New Orleans because he was sick of it and it was too much and they had lost a lot and he didn't trust anybody in here. Uh, Kawhi Leonard had a similar situation, but he was hurt and he didn't want to play and the team thought he could play. Like we've seen all like mm-hmm. a very um, a Ben Simmons, same thing. He didn't want to play. The team thought he could play. There's a million different ways that this happens. This is like this super quiet subterfuge uh no one's willing to say anything no one's even willing to leak anything it's all like very nip and tuck and we're all kind of uh you know poking around in the dark to see what the hell we're talking about well there was one leak uh zion told a personnel close to him that if he comes back this season to play for the pelicans he would prefer to wear a knicks jersey It can be the same, like, color. Yeah. Like, at home whites, they'll wear a white Knicks jersey. Yeah, it'll say Pelicans <laughs> on it, but it might have, like, the orange and blue piping. I mean, you know, is Zion trying to get his value up in, you know, 10 to 14 games? That, that uh, Maybe he is, right? Like, I think he was legitimately embarrassed by what happened with when he was in Portland. And how endearing would it be if he came out and said that? You go, you know what? You're a 20-year-old. You're a human. Yes. You made a mistake, and you're opening up and saying it. I don't think anyone would have a problem with that, and it would be so refreshing to hear to hear anything from Zion, but to hear that level of honesty from a professional athlete would be nothing but a benefit to him and the team. That is 100% true, and I think that is the that is the part that you can't escape of all of this, is that it's all being done under the guise and under this cloud and you we're poking holes through it and everyone's trying to figure out. And I think that's true of the team itself. I don't think they have a pretty clear grasp of exactly what it is. Zion is feeling what he wants, what he needs. Uh, I think there's a communication breakdown. I, I know there's a communication breakdown. Uh, that's occurred somewhere down the line between Zion and Griff. And I, and fixing that is obviously difficult, but it does feel like if he was just honest and 
said what he wanted and that he either he made a mistake or that he feels he was wrong, whatever it might be that he's thinking, I think would just make all of this better. Yeah. And there, there doesn't need to be – that doesn't have to happen during the offseason. If no. that happens right now, it's not going to be any more of a distraction than anything that's currently happening. No, and there's no judgment associated with it. I think that's the part that it, it's easy to, to look at all this and think that there's going to be like – Harsh judgment. And, you know, the Stephen A's and Skip, of course, that's going to come from whatever he says and whatever he does. But I do think there's a, a very large part of the public who just wants to know what the hell he's thinking. Right. Is that so hard to believe? It It's just, you know, we talked about things adding up uh, over the last Zion question mark. And at this point, the team has moved on uh playing wise yeah they are playing fine without him mm-hmm. and how long before the fans follow suit and don't give Zion another chance yeah and that's a fair thing to think and and you know quickly on the team itself they go win two out of three on a road trip after they had been horrible without Brandon Ingram uh they go win in San Antonio uh which was a huge win for you know maintaining that 10 spot uh they lose, blow a game in Charlotte, and now a humongous uh, homestand coming up for the Pelicans uh, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, I believe it's Chicago, San Antonio, and then, of course, the Lakers in what will be the biggest home game of the season uh, on Sunday at 6 o'clock. I- I'm, for the first time in four years, you have very real, important basketball in late March uh, here in this city, and I think... This is the time if fans are ever going to give a crap about this team, this particular year, this team, this would be the time to do it. I am very curious to see what crowds look like this weekend. I'm very curious to see if there's true enthusiasm about this team and trying to push them toward the playoffs. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to try and go to as many games as possible. Uh, That Lakers game, I think, is going to be the biggest Pelicans game in five years. Since the AD return, at least. This is bigger than that in a pro pelicans way and uh you know it's it's lebron is going to be at full power he's sitting out uh tonight i believe and then he's got basically a week to rest up and uh he doesn't play around with stuff like this so it's going to be uh it's going to be interesting to see and i think the i think the pelicans are going to do just fine yeah i'm i'm very curious uh to watch it i i do think this is the the best opportunity they've had to capture the public's imagination in quite some time and you know, they've got likable guys, man. How do you not like Herb Jones? How do you not like Jose Alvarado? How do you not like uh, all these dudes? I mean, it really is a, a team that they're not great. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to argue they're no. great. But they really are. They don't have a uh, a detestable thing about them when they play. No, and the right players have been stepping up. I mean, you mentioned Jose Alvarado. Uh, Najee Marshall uh, yeah. is able to score whenever he wants to in certain games. And uh, tonight, when you're listening to this, uh, Larry Nance Jr. is going to be back. And he's somebody who has used his social media presence to already endear himself to the fan base. How he, does that work? He wants, oh, my God. It sounds, he must be a genius. Yeah. 
It sounds like he wants to be here, and that goes so far in tiny little New Orleans with tiny little pelicans. People are going to be fucking pumped to see Larry out there. This, I am. Yeah. So all Josh Hart had to do was like eat beignets, and he's yeah. like, "I will die for Josh Hart." It is. Uh, it doesn't take much, and that's what I think. That's the most disappointing of this whole aspect is like the the effort level to get this thing right is so goddamn minimal. And the the bar is so low, and yet, uh, you know, can't clear it. So, anyway, we will take a quick break. We'll be back. We've got a whole lot else to talk about. Of course, Jameis Winston uh, re-signing. And we've got local roundup and segments. Stick around. We'll be right back. Polk and push. on Oak, everybody, your favorite bar, my favorite bar, everybody's favorite bar in Uptown New Orleans, right there on Oak Street, Ale on Oak, 30 beers on tap, full menu with delectable food, a working, functioning staff, and all of the televisions that you can handle if you want to go out for a night on the town or a day on the weekend, you're going to want to go to Ale on Oak. It's uh, I was at a bar for the uh, Atlanta-New Orleans game. Okay. Big bar, lots of TVs, mm-hmm. showing lots of games from teams nowhere near Louisiana. <laughs> I got up. I went to Ale on Oak. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. Pelicans. Most of the TVs. Yeah, it is a uh, a wonder of the world. They are one of the very few places in this city that knows when the Pelicans play, that know when your local teams are on, and they will get it on the TV for you. Uh, not only that, of course, Sweet 16 games, Elite 8 games this weekend, and then the Final Four next weekend. Uh, can't think of a better place to go than Ale on Oak. Beautiful spring weather right now in the city. You don't want to go sit inside of a dark, crowded bar. You want to be... In the sunshine, in the gorgeous weather, and it is without question the nicest patio in Uptown. Check them out, 8124 Oak Street, Ale on Oak on Instagram and aleonoak.com. Yes, tell Pat and the fellas that we sent you. We love Ale, our favorite bar. Now when we go there to watch Saints games, we'll at least uh, know who the quarterback is. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that was... uh, Weird couple weeks there where the Saints literally just didn't have a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and they uh, they miss out on Deshaun Watson. Obviously, that was who they were, you know, they, they pulled some moves as far as contracts, trying to open up space. He didn't pass the background check, I <laughs> I don't. The, I like that the Saints didn't even pretend to be like oh. we didn't want him anyway. It they was, got Gale in there with them. <laughs> like get her out. <laughs> they they uh, Deshaun Watson signs a two hundred and fifty million dollar guaranteed contract, which never happens in the NFL. Uh, that was enough to get him to go to Cleveland. So the Saints missed out on that, even when it looked like. Watson was going to be deciding between the Saints and Falcons, which would have stoked the rivalry in any direction. And then he goes in a total different way and just a weird night. I mean, it it was uh, that is the court mandated punishment. If 22 women (laughs) accuse you of sexual assault, you have to go to Cleveland. He, you know, took it like a champ. that was like, oh, yeah, there's a football team here. 
That dude is getting paid. Uh, I feel like it's going to be another disaster in the legacy of Brown's quarterbacks. Yeah. That's got to have led to that decision, right? It's like when you've missed on 20-something quarterbacks in a row, including Baker Mayfield, like you have to be like, all right, we know this guy is good. Do whatever you have to do to get him. Yeah. Um, even if he's a piece of crap, even if it requires guaranteeing every dollar to an NFL player that no one has ever done before. And understandably, the Saints did not match that deal. And I think it was three first-round picks, too. It's it was a lot. Um, I am glad that the Saints did not go with Watson, as I talked about on last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, just generally, yes, Deshaun Watson's a great quarterback. Jameis Winston doesn't have the cleanest past either, uh, but he is here. He has played with the team. Yeah, uh, people seem to have embraced him in the city. And uh, with everything else with the Saints staying the same this season, for the most part, regarding coaching at least, Yes. Uh, let's just see where this pony takes us. He's yeah. going to hopefully have a few more weapons at his disposal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gonna Can't get, have less. He's going to get the cataract <laughs> surgery again yeah. just to make sure that the first one was still... Yeah, you, you have to get a booster <laughs> for your LASIK. Um, so he's going to get that. And then we'll see where we're at. Yeah, I don't think Jameis Winston's bad. I don't think anybody would claim he's bad, but he's also not great. I, we all know that, too. And I think, what was it, a two-year deal, about $20 million guaranteed, which in NFL parlance is, is I would imagine, in the bottom third of mm-hmm. uh, guaranteed dollars committed to a quarterback. He's probably a bottom third starting quarterback right now. He has the ability to be better than that, but uh, he's Jameis, man. Like, I, I don't... I don't come away thrilled, uh, but simultaneously, like he's he he's better than throwing a rookie you're gonna get in the teens out there at least for this season, and he's gonna give you enough upside to give you hope in August, right? Like he's you know he can complete the big passes, you know on the right day that he can beat anybody. It's just you know what he looks like on third and six. And you have a guy, you know, Adam Troutman's running across the middle. And it's like, he's, pr- he's probably going to miss him, you know, <laughs> like, like, let's just call it what it is. And that and all the places you felt super confident about Drew Brees is all the places you don't feel very confident about Jameis Winston. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure that has something to do with it, too. The Saints don't seem set up to bring in a rookie quarterback. It's not that kind of system. They don't mm. the coaches aren't used to bringing in somebody completely green to lead the team, of course. So this is the sensible decision. This is, we'll hopefully answer the question uh, that we've been asking for two seasons now, almost of can Jameis do this? He was kind of doing it last season a little bit. The defense helped out a lot. I would say that defense has dropped off significantly since last year. Uh So Jameis has plenty of room to step up into that second tier, maybe into that first tier, maybe a comeback player of the year. That would be great. Uh, you know, the last time he really ripped it up uh, and threw, you know, and, and had like a full allotment of a season, he threw 30 interceptions. Uh, that's still hanging around his head. Uh, he's got to figure out that part. Uh, what I don't want the Saints to do is what they did last year, which was we're going to start Jameis and we're going to basically put him on a pitch count and limit 
who Jameis can be. We're going to turn him into the game manager and lean on the run game, lean on the defense, and kind of just pick tiny spots where Jameis can be the guy. If you're going to have this guy as your quarterback for two years and you're going to guarantee him some money, let him throw the damn ball. Uh, let him be him. And if he sucks, then he sucks, and you lose games, and that's fine. But right, you didn't learn anything about that uh, about him last year because he hardly was able to do anything. Well, one thing I remember very vividly from Jameis's games is when he would launch one. Yeah, people were excited. Yes. <laughs> If the ball went over 40 <laughs> yards, it usually was like, uh-oh, look out, here yeah. we go. Uh, but there were also a couple where he was like spinning in the wrong direction and threw it <laughs> to four people. There was one or two of those. You're like, oh, That's well. That's exciting, too, just <laughs> yeah, in, in a, a different, different way. <laughs> Where's it going? You don't throw your hands up <laughs> when that's occurring, but you do kind of ooh and ah. Yeah. But it, it was fun to see him sling it. Yeah. Uh, so get into that. If You're going to lose some games anyway. Go all out. Yes. Lose it by 70. But then you're going to win a few by 40. Yeah. I, I just <laughs> if, if you're going to throw 30 interceptions, you got to have 30 touchdowns. <laughs> oh, easily. Yes. There's no question. You're gonna, if you're going to do it, do it. And I guess that was the part that sucked about last year was it was like, I, I don't know anything about this guy. Like, you're treating him like Teddy Bridgewater. He's nothing like Teddy Bridgewater. No. He's Jameis Winston. He's like a complete maverick wild card. Like, you don't know what the hell you're getting. And you turned him into the most boring, predictable quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I think he averaged 160 yards a game. Like, this is 1986. Like, it was crazy. Like, it was the most boring possible way to use him, especially, like, he threw for, I think, 300 in that game against the Packers and then threw for, like, 60 against Carolina. Uh, just let him go. And if it's bad, we'll know it. And then, and then you will have a very clear understanding that in next year's draft – not only will you have a better position, but you'll know exactly that you need to go draft a quarterback. Do you think they should draft a quarterback this year, though? Uh, not unless you get the Ole Miss guy. He seems to be the only yeah. bright spot. You know, all the other ones are like, you know, he could, he could, he could. Yeah. People don't use the could with quarterbacks for the last six years. Yeah. They use definitely that motherfucker. They're wrong most of the yeah. time, too. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're mostly wrong. But, yes, I agree. It's uh, Matt Corral uh, from Ole Miss. I think he's a player. I mean, I, I don't know if he'll be great in the NFL. Nobody knows who's going to be great in the NFL. Um, Some people think Mac Jones is great in the NFL. Yeah, Mac Jones is every he – he was Jameis Winston I just keep year. picturing that shirtless picture of him. <laughs> And he was exactly what Jameis was. He was like a guy who was there to not turn the ball over. Yeah. You know, and, and that might work for them. Uh, but that's not going to work for the Saints anymore. Yeah, and when, Jame when Jameis was, uh, you know, throwing 160 yards a game, they were winning. Yes. So maybe we drop a few to start this season off, and then it'll be Bomb City. Yeah, but look, you lost to Carolina. With Jameis starting a quarterback, and you lost to the freaking Giants at home, who were horrific last year. Uh, there's no like, there there's no safety in Jameis, right? Let, there's no like, well, we can't be worse than X. Like, I have no idea what they can be with him. That it could be really, really bad. And I, as long if you're gonna be really bad, let him go, and let's see the full Jameis, and then. You'll have an answer of whether or not this guy can be your quarterback for the next five to seven years or whether or not 
this is a disaster, and you move on. Just like with Taysom Hill. I thought it was great we got to see Taysom Hill play quarterback for four or five games because it was very obvious that all of the bullshit that Sean Payton fed you for years about him being like the next Steve Young was absolute fiction. Like, uh, he was drawing that up on his binders in his, like, first-grade classroom. Like, there was nothing about Steve Young and Taysom Hill that they shared except for skin color and religion. That was it. They have nothing else in common. Uh, and so it was good to at least get that out there and see that. Uh, and I think the Saints have completely moved on from him as a quarterback, and that helps. So let's see what you got, Jameis. I am interested in the Jameis era. I think the Saints are going to be okay. They'll be okay. And even with Brady in the division, the division still seems up for the grabs. Yeah. Right, uh, like I don't. I'm, I'm, maybe we're crazy, but like I don't. Doesn't Tampa lose some stuff? Tampa losing stuff or not? They're the age has to become a factor at some point. He was so good last year. The injuries have to become a factor <laughs> at some point. Leonard Fournette's back. That was his only good season last season. He's forty. He's older than <laughs> Brady. Was so infuriatingly good last year. Yeah, I can't. What? He's on steroids. He has to be on steroids. He's on something. He's on oxygen. He's on <laughs> stem cells. He's doing the Iggy Pop thing. I don't know. It's really frustrating that he's back. I was really hoping that would not happen. Um, and then, of course, the only other news, uh, real big news for the division was Matt Ryan uh, leaves the Falcons for a third-round pick. I think they yeah, traded their the best player in best franchise player history. Best player in franchise history for a third-round pick. That's I, – I don't really understand what they're doing. I guess they're going to draft a quarterback. Well, they've got uh, Marcus Mariota signed to Yikes. a one- or two-year. I cannot see him starting. So they're trying to tear it down. Well, in some of the depths of uh, just the agony of Saints Twitter, people were – you know, talking about Jameis not coming back and not getting Deshaun. Mariota was getting thrown around for Ugh. the Saints. Baker. The, uh, Baker's better than Mariota. Yeah. But, yeah, you need to have a quarterback in this league. We don't know who this, you know, uh, we don't know what would have happened if they didn't get Jameis. I have a feeling it would have gotten worse. Uh, Matt Ryan being not on the Falcons. I'll miss Matt Ryan. He tore him up. We tore the Saints up a lot, like, mm -hmm. at times. Uh, but, man, there is no one better to watch get sacked. Yeah. I mean, you would just touch his leg, and he was just a helpless little boy. Cam Jordan is going to miss him. <laughs> uh, hopefully there will be some kind of tribute video when he comes back. <laughs> I don't believe the Colts are on the schedule for this upcoming season. No, that's unfortunate. We definitely should do a tribute. He, got, he gets sacked more than any quarterback I've ever seen. Now, I think the Falcons line has sucked for a while, but, like, he he's one of the few guys that knows when it's coming. Like you, he can see it three steps before the guy hits him. He just crumples to the ground. <laughs> he's like, I'm not getting out of this shit. Uh, and uh, I will miss that uh, dearly. I love rooting against the Falcons. It's probably my favorite thing to do in sports. Um, but that's kind of a pastime here. And uh, the other pastime that we have here is ripping on our own politicians. So let's take a little local roundup. It's Juicy Jazz, Squalling Trumpets, and Tiny Little Crawdaddy. You put Paris in a swamp, and that's Nolans in a nutshell, baby. 
Now, this did not make the local news, other than uh, next door. Uh, but last week when we finished recording, you went outside. Mm-hmm. I heard uh, what I thought was a woman screaming. I look out. It's you banging on the door. <laughs> Let, Let me in! in! Uh, there was a, uh, what's the term for crackhead that we use now? <laughs> An unhoused, uh, undocumented folk <laughs> with a chemical uh. dependency issue caused by capitalism. <laughs> this guy looked like Santa Claus. Uh, Santa shirtless Santa Claus, bad Santa. This guy was a very there, bad there Santa go. without the costume. He was uh, punching my neighbor's car, which good. Fuck my neighbor, <laughs> but I don't. I don't think this crackhead has had issues over the driveway with my neighbor. No, probably not. Um, so you came inside, and we're like, you know who will take care of this lickety split? The NOPD. Uh, so I called the. I had, I don't think I've ever called nine one one before. Yeah. What was weird is like my phone like immediately showed where I was. Like it showed my GPS on the screen, uh-huh. and it said like my full legal name, and you know my gender that I've got on there, and my age, and my <laughs> social dumb. security, all this shit. And then some guy answers. He was fine. Uh-huh. He was very nice. He. Did not think that a man punching a car was an emergency. Clearly. Um, I gave him the rundown. It's all I, scale in this city, right? Yeah, I gave him a description. I really just described Christian Clark to the guy. <laughs> I was I was in shock, and he was the only person I could think of. Uh the cops, he didn't even say, like, yeah, we'll be there later. He was just like, okay, dude, do you want us? <laughs> I swear to God, he said, dude. He was like, do you want us to call? Do you want an officer to follow up? It's like, no, because I know this will be in eight days. Yes. And I'll be, like, doing something and then see. I'll just look at my phone and I'll say, the police. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> what they happened? found out. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> uh, I watched this man. He had a crack gives you energy. <laughs> If <laughs> that's a ringing endorsement yeah. for those of you looking for uh, to a little pick me up. If crack was going to have a slogan, it would be that it gives you energy to scream outside of my window for two hours. Yeah. I got my lightsaber. I walked you out to your car. <laughs> you left me here with the crazy person. <laughs> I called my girlfriend. I'm like, hey, there's a man screaming and, and punching stuff outside my window. And she's like, all right, well, I'm watching... <laughs> Watching, I'm coming over. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm watching Jeopardy. Have you know? Be safe, uh, dude. It was. Uh, it's very off-putting to be around someone who's that bad off on drugs. And I was like, this guy. He didn't stop moving. He was just in the middle of the street, just like basically gyrating. He was yeah. like party boy, uh, without the you know. He was just couldn't stop moving. He was just like throwing his hands like the way my two-year-old throws his hands when he doesn't want to eat something he would just throw both hands and uh and then he was just punching the vehicles yeah and he was just and he didn't he didn't do anything violent other than the outward appearance made you feel like you were being threatened from violence yeah. but he didn't 
do anything he uh, was, to anyone. Yeah, he was a real Don Quixote of crack. <laughs> like he thought he thought the Jeep was coming for him and he was going to take it down. My car did not get punched, uh, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but the cops uh, never showed up. Uh-huh. I, I watched this man for two hours. Yeah. And he just disappeared into a cloud of smoke. Uh, but then when I woke up in the morning and went to work, the cops had arrived in my neighborhood mm-hmm. and they were ticketing everyone <laughs> that was blocking a sidewalk uh, or uh, facing the wrong way down the street. Well, so my call did do something. It got all of my neighbors fined. <laughs> With their cars punched in. Yeah. From a complete maniac. It's like... Uh, it's laughable to think that somebody that needs like an ADA compliant sidewalk could even use it. They, <laughs> like they couldn't even get to it if they wanted to. Yeah, it's like oh, once you make it past the forest of uh, you know broken sidewalk chunks and and shards of glass, then you have to cross the troll that is the crackhead meth addict who's who's throwing punches into the air. Then you get to get on the actual sidewalk. Oh no, but the cars are blocking it. <laughs> That's where the problem really arises. Let's get rid of the cars. You have to solve, like, you have to solve his riddle. There's all this <laughs> shit going on. I don't know, but uh, this is not just a New Orleans thing. This is a, a, an American-wide thing. Daylight savings time. Uh huh. Marco Rubio, you remember him? Trump like called him gay or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That was his big thing to get Marco. He's like, no, he said he had a small wiener. That was called it. him Little Marco, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talked about having a huge wiener. This was <laughs> like four years ago. Yes. The world is a vastly different place now. Oh, totally. But Marco's leading the charge on never doing daylight savings again, and I'm a big fan on it. Yeah, I guess he's in. That explains all the Rubio stickers around. Yeah, <laughs> I put them over the Romney stickers. He wants to abolish daylight savings time. And of course, you know, he has to wrap it up all fancy. It's like it'll reduce crime and seasonal depression, whatever. Yeah. I just don't want it to be uh, uh, midnight when I'm getting off work, going to my car. Yeah. I want to get home and experience some daylight Mm -hmm. while the shutters are closed and I'm playing Elden Ring. (laughs) Uh, For kids, man, the daylight savings thing stinks. Uh, one day it is like the longest day of all time. And that extra hour is just the ultimate kick in the balls. Uh, there's really just nothing to explain that. Just like, oh my God, we have to do this for another hour than usual. (laughs) Uh, and then the other day is like, oh great. Like it's an hour less. So, you know, like the day is a little bit more compacted, uh, but their schedule gets completely screwed up. And when it's their bedtime, it's still bright outside. And so you have to go through that whole thing. They don't like, like that. They're, well, they're just not, not ready for it. They're in one day. It went from it's bright outside. It went from it's pitch black outside at bedtime to the sun's out at bedtime. And they don't know what to do with that. Uh, and it's just a complete catastrophe. Uh, and it's completely unnecessary. I don't think anybody needs the daylight savings time. It doesn't. Just keep it on this time forever. Yeah, well, that's what this bill is going to do. The Senate passed the bill unanimously. Then it has to go, I guess, to the House, and then Joe Biden. Yeah, uh, you think know, he'll be awake. We'll for... get him a crayon, <laughs> something he can operate. 
He's, he's going to sign it with one of those oversized pencils. Like yeah, he's going to think that he's like signing a time travel bill. He's going to be like, I don't, I don't think people should travel through time. No, Joe. It's about the time change. Yeah, times have changed, all right. Back when I was a kid, you could go to the five and dime and sit on a cracker. No, Joe, it's not. There are no farmers anymore. All the farmers are TikTok dancers now. There's no farming. We don't need the thing. <laughs> but we don't need an extra hour of daylight in the morning to wiggle our dicks onto a camera. <laughs> <laughs> not important to uh, to the current economy. So if it all goes through, I guess we'll do this one more time, and then it'll be over forever. But that then uh, the world will probably be ending shortly after that, so it won't really matter. It's a valid point. Yes, that's uh, who who really needs to worry about future problems when the present problems are also bad. Just do the Kramer method and don't change your watch. Just wait it out. That's what I have been doing. I've been showing up an hour late to work. I'm like, not on my clock, buddy. In eight months, I'll be on time. (laughs) They keep shortening the period that's the other, like the non-daylight savings, uh, into squeezing that one down into shorter and shorter periods. It's also a little confusing. Like, I'll find myself the day after the time change Googling what time was it yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) Like, nobody knows what that means. No, it's impossible to figure out. All right. So back to New Orleans. What's going on here? Uh, so in case you uh, were living uh, under, you know, rainbows and unicorns and thinking that things were good. Uh, turns out uh, a woman got murdered in the middle of the street and her arm got ripped off. She was like 78 years old. So that was uh, horrifying and awful. Uh, number one, that happened in Mid-City on, uh, I believe that was Tuesday, Monday? I think it was Monday, Monday at 1 p.m. Yeah, uh, and according to Fox 8, uh, John Honore, the 17-year-old accused of murder, uh, had a previous violent crime allegation against him in criminal district court. That was dropped last year by District Attorney Jason Williams. Boom, boom. Uh, Surprise, surprise. So uh, the uh, court did not, I guess the family didn't want to pursue the charges anymore, and so the court just dropped it and let the kid go. Uh, And then he went and, you know, as part of a group of four, committed an absolutely atrocious act. Uh, I don't know how many times we've seen this. I think the Costco carjacker was similar, uh, where uh, somebody that was detained and they let him walk, and then he goes out and commits more crimes. This is going to happen time and time and time again. Uh, we can, I don't know how many times that the city has to go through this, where it's like you have violent people, you have no way of reforming them. The way that you're letting them out is just to put them back on the streets. There is no chance they got better between the time that they came to you and the time they left. They are the same violent horrible asshole that they were before because we've had zero system uh, in place to make their lives any better or to give them any level of chance or give ourselves any level of chance of thinking that this might go in any other direction. Well, they they do leave with one change, and it's that they know that nothing will happen to them, <laughs> yes, that, that is there's no true. consequences for their actions. Uh, this certainly won't be the last time we see this. It will be the last time we see a district attorney run on a, to call it progressive doesn't even sound right. It's, it's beyond progressive to run on a platform of not prosecuting 
people uh, of certain ages and certain crimes. Well, uh, violent like criminals are violent criminals. Yeah. Like, you don't care if you were murdered by a 14-year-old or a 17-year-old or a 25-year-old. Like, I, that's what I don't... That's the part that I, I just kind of lose. If you're going to open up the pathway for reform, there has to be a reform system in place. And yes. if there's not, uh, law-abiding uh, citizens cannot... Uh, forfeit their safety for a pipe dream that has no plan in place. It might not be fair. It might not be nice. It might not be cool and cute, but it's the real fucking world. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately uh, where this lands. Right? Is if you're going to, if you're not going to prosecute juveniles, then you need to have a way to get the juveniles into a system that has a pipe dream, at least, or you know, a puncher's chance. Of helping these kids and that just doesn't exist and so instead you're just a revolving door that like oh until you turn the magic age where we can punish you for this you get to do whatever the hell you want and you know what you can get a thousand dollars for a car if you go carjack somebody why would you not go do it and uh it's really sad it's unfortunate and it just sucks and it really just pisses you off to live in a society that is just decided these arbitrary rules and you have to deal with the consequences and everybody has to deal with the consequences of the, there was three girls and a, and a 17 year old who had been previously convicted. I think they all had records uh, and there's just nothing that can really, nothing's going to be done about it. And we all know it. And it's just very obvious that the problem exists so badly in the juvenile area. And yet there's no way to fix it in the current iteration. And instead so many people, their idea is just like, let's just bury our heads in the sand about it. Let's just, let's just keep letting them off and eventually they'll just be nice. Yeah. And you make up excuses too. You're like, well, you know, it would never happen in mid city at 1 PM on a, on a Monday. Yeah. Next to a special needs school. And then it does. Yeah. And, you know, how many more excuses can the citizens make before they go, this isn't worth it beyond everything else? If this city ran like clockwork and still had the same level of crime, I think people would still be considering leaving. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very good point. It's like there, there, there's there's enough problems to already deal with that uh, being horrified by every moment of driving is uh, is, you know. Uh, enough to put you over the edge. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure Lord knows in Araby, I'm sure there's a crime spike right now. There was there were people on the news sitting in stores with broken out windows. Yep. And, you know, uh, there's just a lot going on right now and not a lot of answers and it doesn't always feel fantastic to be here. Yeah. So on that uplifting note, we will turn to Oh, I thought you were going to say something <laughs> Like uplifting, you're just like, yeah, that but we sucks. love it, jambalaya and gumbo and Mardi Gras. You can drink on the street, yeah. Uh, get ready, Final Four fans. On <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that uplifting note, we will go to my favorite part of every single week on this year's program, ladies and gentlemen. Who oh, What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumb for The worst. Send yours in. The worst is always the worst thing I saw or read this week. Uh, you can email them, Polk and Kush. You can DM us, Polk and Kush, on Twitter. Or you can uh, send, us, send us mail. Yeah. What's, what's your home address? 555 <laughs> Fifth Street. This is from uh, Refinery29, which I believe is like an opinion site, like Thought Catalog, where anyone, and I mean anyone, 
can post it's, stuff. It feels very Brooklyn-y, right? Yeah, they okay. have, uh, you know, cool minimalist logo, uh-huh. a lot of silly stories. But this one, I don't think it's silly. Are you familiar with the term goblin mode? I'm not. Goblin mode is a Gen Z saying that essentially means like not caring about your appearance, not caring about your aesthetic, not okay. caring about your vibe. These are all very important to Gen Z. This feels uh, relevant inside of this place right now where yeah. you and I sit. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, you're like, I'm going goblin mode tonight. It means you're going to sit in the dark and eat chicken nuggets uh-huh. and not wear makeup or anything like that. Taco Bell drive through We've got it. Some would call it being hungover. <laughs> Gen Z's calling it goblin mode. That's now, a TikToker. Here we go. Headline. As a disabled woman, the goblin mode trend doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> Goblin Mode is the latest in a long line of lifestyle-based aesthetics to go viral on social media before trickling down into irrelevancy. Some last longer than others. In 2020, people were obsessed with cottagecore. Spring 2021 saw New Year, New Me rhetoric rehashed as that girl. So Yeah, these were very popular. I remember them very well. <laughs> Most of these trends are based on appearance. The emphasis is less on the act itself and more on how you look while doing it. Which is fine. We all like things that look nice until we don't. (laughs) They're calling it a mode. I have been living a goblin existence for the best part of five years. Goblin mode is a rejection of anything aesthetically pleasing. It is an idea of lying in your space, (laughs) relishing your own comfortable or uncomfortable mire. Instead of self-improvement, it is a regression into a cavernous hole of caring about nothing at all. This sounds fine. This is literally 98% of America after 6 p.m. Yeah, most uh, dock workers go goblin mode as soon as they get home. Every dad in America, the minute their child falls asleep, goes goblin mode with their pants off watching, you know, some terrible baseball game. Goblin mode was instigated by a fringe group. People need to stop saying fringe instead of like weirdos (laughs) or some guys. Yeah. There's no, like, not fringe. There's no, like, skull and crossbones secret organization coming up with goblin mode. This is, like, four guys. It's the Sterling Cooper agency coming up with goblin mode. They're like, you know, we could sell Cheetos with. Goblin mode was instigated by a group of people posting what could be described as anti-capitalist content that showed a rejection of mainstream ways of existing. These people for a long time have been disinterested in what others think and who operate online in the vein of shit posting. <laughs> Many Twitter users have insisted that they've been goblins since before it was cool. In. <laughs> well, I still don't understand why this disabled person thinks it's an attack on We're her. We're getting to it. To me and within the Crip communities... Crip, short for crippled, reclaims the slur used historically to discriminate against disabled people. That seems way worse than goblin mode. I reside in (laughs) goblin mode as a natural state of being. So she's mad that people are appropriating her being gross... 
and not doing anything. You can't even be a piece of shit anymore without offending someone. Somebody, I just wanted to sit. I wasn't trying to take away that you also sit. I mean, sweatpants, that's my culture. <laughs> Wearing two different colored socks, that's male culture being appropriated. Wearing a t-shirt that says, who farted, that's three times too big. Did you see they interviewed somebody on the news uh, after the tornado? And they were interviewing like in his like destroyed house, and he was wearing a D's nut shirt. <laughs> I was like, we're going to be okay. <laughs> I was like, I think we're going to be okay. Find that guy and donate to him. Forget all the other charities. I think we're going to be just fine. So basically, this is a very long article. This person <laughs> goes on to uh, opine about their culture being used as a trendy lifestyle. Called yourself a crip. Well, that seems really bad. I bet the Crips don't like that either. <laughs> You've appropriated them. <laughs> I mean, that's really messed up that anyone would take that. I don't know. The whole thing. I don't understand appropriation because it feels like it could be happening at literally any time. Isn't Crips as a term for the disabled? That also came from South Park, I'm pretty sure. Timmy and Jimmy. Oh, yeah. That was like the, the whole blue bandanas. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I just... The, there's nothing about a, a cultural appropriation. Uh, I feel like you could find it in anything, right? Like everything is somebody's culture. Yeah. Are you supposed to stick to your own culture all the time? It seems really difficult. The only way to not um, have somebody accuse you of appropriation is to do something very bad. Like if you were a pedophile. <laughs> I don't know. Goblin mode seems pretty bad. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> nobody's gonna go. Hey, that's my culture. If, if you like, <laughs> if you watch, if you watch, you know, anime porn or whatever. The Epstein family yeah. sues you for appropriation. <laughs> I think that's the only way to steer clear of it at this point. Uh, this person has a lot of other articles on here that are that are, I would say, comical. <laughs> this is there are a lot of people who just live to be offended. So I mean. I noticed during the pandemic that the hottest women I know all suddenly became immunocompromised. <laughs> it's like having a hot ass <laughs> gives you lupus or whatever. I've no I'm thinking this is like an offshoot of that cuz nobody nobody cares about coronavirus anymore. No. Nobody's immunocompromised anymore. No. So now it's goblin mode. <laughs> Which I've been living for the better part of 37 years. King Goblin. Yes. That's... So that's it. Thank you, Refinery29, for that one. And thank you for listening. Uh, we are on all major podcast platforms. Ask Siri, ask Google, and it will automatically play the latest episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, tell a friend. It uh, sincerely goes a very long way. Word of mouth is how we get most of our listeners. Uh, thank you to Alon Oak. Thank you to DraftKings for that awesome March Madness party over at the Vintage Rock Club. I am Andrew Polk. That is Scott Kushner. Follow us on Twitter. Send us an email, and we'll see you next week. See ya! Thank you.